to the Paul McGuire Report. I'm Paul McGuire, broadcasting from Southern California, or as the critics of Southern California often say, the Republic of California. And uh, you, you, you can connect the dots on, on what that's supposed to mean. Okay, I wanted to go back in time, and after we go back in time, I want to get back into the time travel technological device and come from the perspective of going all the way back in time to the present time and then explore the future. And you say, how is that possible? It's, it's possible because, and when I say it's possible, it's, it's not guaranteed. It's not 100% certifiable, but it's highly possible, highly probable, based on the scientific discoveries and the technological discoveries that fall under the umbrella of what is known as quantum mechanics, quantum entanglements, quantum physics. Now, that's the high-powered, heavy-duty, high-voltage field of study that is revolutionizing, revolutionizing, sorry, again, once again for the bad English, that is causing a revolution in science and technology all over the world. So this is the bottom line. If you go back to the very beginnings of of what is known as quantum physics, and you had a number of physicists um, who who postulated uh, theories that gradually became known as quantum physics, quantum mechanics, and uh, other quantum theories. What does is, what is quantum mean? Well, all a quanta, quantum means is, is the definition of quantum is tiny microscopic subatomic particles. And together they, they compose a whole, or uh, what we might call our present physical reality dimension that we live in. Now, when these physicists began to analyze quantum physics, they chose the word quanta because quanta is a synonym for a a word that talks about very, very small microscopic subatomic particles. So let's say you have a big, fat elephant in the living room. And the big, fat elephant in the living room, let's say, let's say, this is going to be hypothetical, but let's say, Let's say that uh, there's a, a, a Bible study or prayer meeting uh, going on in the living room uh, of a house, and one Christian invites a whole bunch of other Christians to participate in worship, studying the Word of God, prayer, so on and so forth. But let's say that as this activity is going on, now we're making the assumption that, that it is still legal. In the United States, for Christians to have Bible studies, worship, and prayer in the privacy of their houses. In many, many places in America today, it's illegal for you to have those kinds of Bible studies and prayer times in people's houses. And there's always a semi rational excuse like it's disruptive to the neighbors. Well, let me tell you something, and you can, you can be a little bit more diplomatic than I'm going to be when you talk to your neighbors or whatever. Let's say you're having this Bible study and uh, people complain. 
Now, they don't complain when there's pounding hip-hop and rap and rock and roll, but they do complain because the, because there's only X amount of parking uh, spaces. But in the neighborhood I'm talking about, hypothetically, uh, all of the houses usually have, um, you know, built-in garages. So there could be one garage door, two garage doors, three garage doors, four garage doors, or whatever. So so there really isn't a negative impact on the neighbors. The issue, if you get down to it, is not uh, the lack of parking space because you've got all the sidewalks, and on the sidewalks, uh, it, there are in this particular area, hypothetically, there are not a whole lot of. Uh, uh, there's a lot of. Uh, space for people to park. And the people that are going in for the prayer meeting or whatever, they're not doing drugs. They're not drunk. They're not running around naked and screaming and diving into the swimming pool and acting crazy. None none of this is happening. But, you you know, all it takes is one or two people who who don't like God, who don't like Christians, who don't like the Bible, and and they're going to cause trouble and complain and stir up the neighbors. And all of a sudden, you'll find yourself in an adversarial relationship with your neighbors, and you went out of your way to be friendly and diplomatic, et cetera, et cetera. This is what I call, by the way, the big, big white elephant. And there's no racial connotation because I chose the word white elephant. But there's a big white elephant that has parked his big white, you know what, posterior, an elephant's posterior as he lies on the floor. And no matter how hard you pretend, you can't escape the fact that your perception is telling you there's a big elephant in the room and you've got to deal with it. But people being who they are, they, they opt for the lazy way out and they don't want to rock the boat. And so, so they start thinking of an exit strategy and, and with hardly any persecution at all. Um, they they throw in the towel and, and give up. And what what is the tipping point in my hypothetical situation, as as people are trying to read the Word of God and strengthen one another spiritually, which is always a good thing? Um, the the big white elephant in the living room, right in the middle of the Bible study, takes a gigantic poop in the middle of the living room. And the poop is elephant poop. So it's big poop. And to be blunt, it stinks to high heaven. But the smell of elephant's poop is is contained entirely in the house. So it's not bothering anybody. Obviously, people clean it up and they, they try to find out, how did this elephant get in our living room during this Bible study? So what what I'm trying to explain in a, in, a, in a, let's call it a modern parable, and I don't claim to be Jesus, by the way. In this modern parable, the big white elephant represents a very tiny percentage of people in your neighborhood. It could, it could be literally 1%. It's just one or two ladies or men or whatever um, um, who, who complain. And they, they cause a ruckus, and they stir up strife with the neighbors. And the next thing you know, there's animosity towards the Christians. And the next thing you know, the neighbors are it didn't bother them before, but they are now, because of the people who stirred up the animos- animosity, they are now uh, in, in hyper-focus uh, r- surrounding 
you know, the disruptive nature of the Bible studies, and then lying about the fact, or at the very minimum, exaggerating greatly uh, the so-called problem of there's no place to park. Because the reality is, if you walk down the block, there are many, many, many places to park. So what is this big white elephant in the room that has so much social pressure, social power, that this big white elephant, uh, not being a particular genius, is able to stir up so much animosity and hatred towards the Christians to the point that the neighbors want to, to pressure the Christians out and no more Bible studies. And they actually have succeeded in doing that in many, many neighborhoods across America. So, six months goes by, and by the way, by this time, uh, people cleaned up the poop and, you know, but they can't, they're not having Bible studies. They had to retreat because, because they wanted to have peace with their neighbor, neighbors, so some, some, some bright-eyed uh, light bulb brain with a, with a burnt-out filament, uh, which is a fancy way of saying the light bulb is short-circuiting and, and flickering uh, and, and isn't working right. So now the Christians have retreated from the neighborhood to house, because whether you liked them or not, the Christians, as, as, which is almost 100% of the time, when Christians move in, when Christians have Bible studies, when there are lots of Christians in a geographic area anywhere in America, it, it, is, it provides sociologically a, a calming presence, a healing presence. Uh, um, the influx of honest people with integrity uh, causes the criminals and, and the rapists and the gang members and the drug dealers and the witches and, and the criminals and the thieves. They are uncomfortable uh, trying to do whatever it is that they do in a neighborhood that is packed with. Bible-believing Christians who are attempting to live for Jesus, because all of those people who are attempting to live for Jesus uh, collectively, they are shining the light of Jesus Christ. The light of Jesus Christ is illuminating, not in the sense of the Illuminati, but in the sense of the, uh, the light of the world, who is Jesus Christ. The light of Jesus Christ is pouring out of their hearts, their eyes, and their minds, and the neighborhood, which previously was spiritually dark, and any place where you have a dilution of the number of Christians, or any place where you have an erosion of the number of Christians, you, you have something that comes in to replace it, and that something is the big white elephant in the living room that nobody wants to talk about. So nature abhors a vacuum, and if you're going to drive out people of the light, people who love Jesus, law-abiding, loving people, if you're going to drive them out, then there's an emptiness spiritually in the neighborhood. There's a vacuum, because you kicked, uh, you kicked the, the, the white elephant out of the living room. And so there's a spiritual vacuum, and Satan and the demonic and all kinds of demonic forces of, of various kinds, they get sucked into the vacuum, because nature abhors a vacuum. All of a sudden, this quiet, peaceful neighborhood, which, by the way, uh, because people were worshiping God, and godly people were 
now coming into the neighborhood, it caused other godly people to come into the neighborhood, other Christians to come into the neighborhood. And very suddenly, the neighborhood began to be transformed because, it be, because there was no vacuum. People of God displaced people who were serving the evil one. And what that does is the light of the Lord and the truth of God's word being lived out uh, by real Christians who, who have the abiding love of Jesus Christ, the agape love of Jesus Christ, alive and well in their hearts, now um, that, that they've been moved out or pressured out, you notice when you read these community magazines, which I never do, they get thrown on my driveway and I throw them in the trash. You know why I throw them in the trash? Because they're disingenuous and they're dishonest. They're dishonest because who they feature, I'm not interested in being on the cover. If you think that's what this is about, you, you don't know very well. That's the last thing. The last thing I want is attention to myself where I live because of what I do. So now we have a vacuum, a spiritual emptiness, and the neighborhood is, is being transformed in a negative downward spiral because the light is gone, the darkness increases and spreads. You now have the, the kids and teenagers in the neighborhood and some adults selling drugs like fentanyl. There are measurable, measurable statistics that you can look at regarding the, your neighborhood, your community. If you look at the measurable statistics, you will get an accurate statistical picture of a negative spiritual transformation because drug dealing is up, kids being addicted to drugs, adults being addicted to drugs, the drug fentanyl is being sold by teenagers and adults uh, from the very houses and from the very neighbors who, who uh, I'm not saying the Christian neighbors, but the people who moved in after the Christians were pushed out. So you've got drug dealing, methamphetamine, uh, uh, an epidemic of divorce, all kinds of negative statistics begin to show up on all these reports. Break-ins, robberies, uh, excessive divorce, and on and on and on. The, the, the big elephant in the living room has grandly uh, delivered a gigantic poop on the, the, the floor of the living room. And now it stinks to high heaven. But because these people don't have the same emphasis uh, that Christians had, the neighborhood, not just proverbially, but the neighborhood is going to hell in a handbasket. And, and the root of it is, and here's the important part, the root of the fact, fact statistically, that the neighborhood is now going to hell in a handbasket is directly rooted in the decision of the people in that community to be uh, to allow themselves to be incited to hate Christians and to use various subversive social pressures to to pressure the Christians out by complaining and, and gossiping and stuff. So now, now the the value of the homes statistically is measurably going down and down because the quality of person is going down and down. You now have people moving in. You know what I'm talking about. It, it transcends race. I'm not talking about a particular race or ethnic group or whatever. It's human nature. When you have 
uh, a new demographic, a new group of people with different values or, or very little values, what happens is you now have a lot of people who uh, don't maintain their homes in the interior and especially in the exterior. The lawns are, 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 are eroding. The, there's, there's no flowers. Uh, in some cases, people are leaving their you know, secondhand refrigerator that they want to sell for a month on their front lawn. The whole look of the neighborhood is beyond cheesy. It, 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 the houses that once were going for a very nice price, those houses are now selling at a lower and lower price. So now you can see the statistic of a downwards economic spiral and a downward and negative uh, economy in the community. And the measurable statistic is the fact that the value and prices of the homes, which for many people is their retirement, it's their nest egg, uh, it keeps all the homes keep losing their monetary value. Why? Because when real estate agents drive around the neighborhood, this once nice neighborhood is starting to have a slum look. There's a rising tide of crime, social unrest, robberies, drug addictions, overdoses, and all the rest of the things. So, so what has happened? Well, what has happened is nobody paid. The Christians, when they were having their Bible studies and stuff, which is to be applauded, but none of the Christians, Christians are sometimes, not all of them, but many Christians uh, in the evangelical movement and the uh, uh, Bible-believing movement and, and uh, Protestants and born-again Christians and so on and so forth, many Christians are very myopic uh, and fixated on the wrong things. So, so while they were very inward-looking, introspective, and they didn't, they didn't want to have to deal. Here's the key. Here's the rub. And, and I'm trying to pass this truth on to you because I promise you, you are either living in that environment, you have either escaped that environment, or you can see this negative environment starting to materialize in in the neighborhood that you have your home or condo or apartment. And so it's going downhill, and consequently, the value of the homes are going downhill. So in a big way, so houses are dropping, or condos or whatever, are dropping in value $50,000, $25,000. But in California, the, the fact of the matter is, the homes are dropping in value significantly, like Now, in a shaky economy, that's like getting hit by a a communist Chinese uh, um, torpedo submarine. You don't know that it's that this torpedo, which has got a nuclear warhead on it, is is in a stealth attack. Uh, hiding deep underwater and moving at very high speed, and it's going to either off the coast of uh, Florida or off the coast of California or whatever. It's going to fire a um, a nuke um, on one of, from a submarine, which will detonate uh, and and cause a, a catastrophic event. Well, the, the 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 white elephant in the living room that poops. Is, is not what you would call 
you know, a human extinction level event, but it's not a good thing. And let's let's now review the primary reason for the significant downward trend and downward and negative forces. How is it? Why is it that these negative intense negative forces on every level have now been unleashed in a neighborhood that was once peaceful and prosperous. What is the primary button that was pushed that activated the, the, the big white elephant who poops in the living room scenario? What was the primary decision, the primary mindset, the primary perspective, the primary attitude, and the primary thought processes among Christians that led to a downward turn, which it's going to have real impact shortly, in a year or two or three or four or five or whatever. You're not going to have the way it plays out is people lose their good paying jobs. That further devalues the homes and the condos because. The only people that are moving in are people, let's say, theoretically, who are making 40% less annually than the previous inhabitants in that neighborhood. And that's because the, the better paying jobs, the, the companies that are increasing in value and that are paying their employees more, these upwardly mobile um, corporations and companies they are moving out of the area that they once were moving into because of the high desirability of this, commu- this hypothetical community I'm talking about. And one other thing that I failed to mention is that in this community, this community is known throughout the entire county um, for its high-quality schools, high-quality teachers that are very close, they're right adjacent to the nice neighborhoods and the safe neighborhoods. And just before the white elephant moved in, these neighborhoods were known all over the U.S. because they were safe, there was low or zero crime, no drug problem, Um, major employers had been moving in, everything was going up. But because of one or two or three, a little little 1% of people that didn't like God and wanted to complain and were misguided, they ended up causing uh, all the people that lived in this ideal neighborhood to press the destruction button. Now, that's the way it goes. That's the way it often plays out. In America today, we have an even bigger problem. Because we're not just talking about uh, one community or uh, an entire uh, spectrum of really great communities that were economically, socially prosperous, highly desirable to live in, great jobs, et cetera, et cetera. These these companies, uh, these communities were all over the United States. Now. The principle, the economic and social principle at work in this uh, negative scenario, I talk about it and I explain it in detail and I reveal 
to you very powerful economic truths that both political parties were caused. And, they, they, and I explain what they will never tell you in the media, and I back up my explanations with facts, statistics, and real data. And what I'm talking about specifically is during this scenario that I was describing to you, this was at the same time that all these global trade treaties were being signed into law, where our dishonest, I'm on the take uh, from various uh, communist nations like communist China and Russia and many other nations. Um, huge, the majority of our politicians, both Democrat and Republican, sold us down the river by signing uh, us into uh, making, turning it into law, we passed all these. Our politicians deliberately pulled a fast one on us when they deliberately chose, with the complicit help of the mass media, that, that aided in deceiving the American people. And our politicians deceived the American people. And that allowed there to be. Uh, an opportunity for our politicians to circumvent the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and the, and the laws that govern America for the good of the American people. Those, those laws that produce prosperity and economic stability were circumvented, which obviously means they did an end run around it, signed these trade treaties. I remember like it was yesterday when the big-time Republicans, I'll never forget the, the politicians who, who got right in front of the camera and were bragging and, and, and announcing all these lies and reasons to the American public about how great America will be in the future if we sign these globalist trade treaties with communist China, Cuba, other communist nations, and impoverished third world nations. Because what they kept telling us, our politicians, Republican and Democrat, and the media, what they kept telling us over and over and over again was, unless we as Americans signed these global trade treaties, unless America uh, uh, pulls back from its uh, isolationist policies, we will be in harm's way. Our economy will get worse and worse and worse. We will become like a third world nation. All uh, of our manufacturing plants will pick up and leave the USA, and they will be relocated by the big globalist corporations. They will be relocated uh, to, in communist China, South America, Mexico, and, and, and third world and communist nations all over the world. Those nations will experience economic growth, and the economic prosperity that America once enjoyed will be withdrawn from it because the politicians and the media flat out lied to the American people and said, the only way we can have a future for your children, the only way that we can keep America prosperous, free, and strong, the only way that we can keep the American dream alive is if we sign these globalist trade treaties. And there were a whole bunch of them. 
And they promised us that if we did that, the billionaires and the trillionaires, I could name their names, they told us that if we signed these globalist trade treaties and we participated in the global marketplace and avoided isolationism, then we would be economically pro prosperous and happy days would be here again for America. Now, let's cut to the chase. The bottom line is all of that rhetoric was based on lies, 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 and more lies. The politicians on, in both parties lied through their teeth to the American people. The Democrats lied. The Republicans lied. The media, maybe I think, you know, perhaps, and I'm being sarcastic, but maybe, it, maybe Babylon the Great is specifically the media. Because Babylon the Great is a whore in the book of Revelation. She's a spiritual and economic whore. And she sells herself, her body, for sexual favors, sexual immorality, to anybody that has the bucks to pay for them. And that, to me, is like precisely what the mainstream media, social media, many of our our educational institutions um, and our, our films and news and all the rest of it, if you put all the pieces together of, of American mass media, which influences the entire world, what you have is a picture of a whore, scantily clad, selling her body to, to the great businessmen and the corporations of planet Earth. Because as a whore, she does, there's no real love in her heart. You know, I've never been to a whore by the grace of God. I have no intention of ever going to a whore by the grace of God. But there are people who do go to whores on a regular basis. And the one thing that we all know about whores is they're paid to so-called love their customer. And, and that, of course, the emphasis is, is on the physical, erotic expression of love. But in the heart of a whore, the whore doesn't love the customer. The whore is a, an actress who pretends to love the customer. And so any customer who's stupid enough to be deluded into believing that the whore that they're paying for loves them and cares for them is an absolute fool. That's America. America, beginning around 65, 70 years ago, when America began to turn its back on God, when America began to reject the Word of God, and most emphatically, hear what I'm saying. Hear what I'm saying. The Holy Spirit of Almighty God, which is the Spirit of Truth, the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God, which is the Spirit of Truth, because I made the decision as the host of the Paul McGuire Report and the Paul McGuire Show decades ago, I made a, a very clear policy decision for this ministry and uh, this outreach. And, and the policy and the decision that I made what was before the Lord. I entered into a covenant with the Lord, and I said to the Lord, you know, Lord, give me the wisdom give me the finances, uh, give me your blessing so that I might educate your people and your, the children of your people, that I might bring revival to America. 
And I, I said to the Lord that if you will, the prayer was not about enriching me, making me famous or anything even close to that. And that's simply because I know God has x-ray vision. So why would I come before the Lord and, and pray to him in the form of stupid, transparent lies? I wouldn't, because God is God. So I said to the Lord, Lord, if you will grant me the finances, the anointing, the favor, and the wisdom that I need to reach people all over the world with the message of your word and the message of salvation. And I prayed that. And I prayed that based on the prayer that King Solomon made before he backslid. Um, and King Solomon uh, asked God in prayer um, for the monies he needed to help God's people and for the wisdom that he needed in order to, gui to guide God's people in the right ways. And God was blessed by the prayer of Solomon because unlike so many prayers, that the Lord hears. This prayer was not based on um, uh, self-centeredness and personal prosperity, personal wealth, personal fame, and all the rest of that. King Solomon went before the Lord, and, and the prayer that he made to the Lord was based on equipping King Solomon with everything that he needed to help the people of God. And so I have tried to emulate that. That's one of the cornerstone principles of Paul McGuire Ministries and Paradise Mountain Church. It's a cornerstone foundational truth that we endeavor to live by. And if you want to help us reach people effectively, remember that when you ask God what to do, or you ask God, how much should I donate or financially contribute to Paul McGuire Ministries and Paradise Mountain Church, know that. The, the heartbeat of this ministry is my God-given desire to use whatever God gives me to help his people, to deliver his people, to win souls for Christ. It's not to enrich myself, because it's based on the principle that I learned from studying the Word of God regarding the life of Solomon, as well as the warning that if God does bless you, don't go out and backslide like King Solomon did. Okay, so we're going to come back in, in, in just a, a minute, and I'm going to, by the grace of God, I pray that the Holy Spirit will anoint my words, and they will go off in your mind and heart, literally like a, like a, like a spiritual military flash grenade. You know, they toss those things, and bam, they explode with a blast of light. Well, I pray that the words that I speak to you based on years of study of the Word of God and analysis of economics and so on and so forth, I pray that the words that I speak will detonate in your hearts and minds like a, like a peaceful and law-abiding and spiritual military flash grenade. And when it detonates, it explodes with a loud noise and a, an intense blast of light, which detonates the strongholds or the lies of Satan. So visit paulmcguire.us. That's paulmcguire.us. Check out all the free resources we have for you that will impart biblical knowledge. And remember that the promise from God is knowledge uh, gives you power. And, and notice that the 
the, the little parable I shared with you about the flash bang grenade military style that detonates with a blast of light has a double meaning. That spiritual detonation and the power or force that it releases when the blast goes off along with the flash of light, light and the deafening, deafening noise in, in a military battlefield, um, soldiers can, can be killed by the blast that is detonated. The loud noise can make people go deaf, but it can also wipe out the enemy because the intensity of the explosion of a flash grenade is, is based on uh, the military weaponry. And that explosion can destroy walls. It can sometimes derail tanks, knock out, you know, kill machines and enemy troops that are going to kill, slaughter, and destroy. And it dismantles the fortifications of Satan. And in, in, in the warfare that you and I are in, whether we like, you know, I don't care whether you like it, and I don't care whether or not I like it. The fact of the matter is, you and I just happen to be right smack dab in the middle of the greatest spiritual battle in the history of mankind. And therefore, the weapons of our warfare are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So Satan's primary weapon against the Church of Jesus Christ in the last days and individual Christians, his greatest weapon is massive spiritual deception. Massive lies, high-level Luciferian spiritual psyops or psychological operation operations. Because Lucifer or Satan, Satan is the father of lies. Lucifer means the shining one, but it's a deceiving light. Lucifer masquerades as an angel of light, but he's not an angel of light. He's a demon of darkness. And so when this flash bang grenade goes off in the invisible realm, the spiritual realm, it detonates, and the force of the detonation penetrates and blows apart these invisible fortifications in the spiritual world known as strongholds. And these strongholds um, blind people and block people from seeing and understanding and realizing the truth, realizing the truth about salvation or realizing the truth about any truth written about in the Bible. Those fortifications, those barriers, which are called strongholds in the Bible, which is a satanically energized argument against it, against us, when a detonation occurs in a targeted manner, it rips apart. The force and the inertia of the explosion rips apart and blows apart the apostasy, the lies, the massive spiritual deception, and all the rest of that stuff. And so we win this war, this spiritual war, when we wage war according to the directions and the training that the Word of God gives us in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. And we always have to remember that our fight, our battle, is not against people. Our fight is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the principalities and powers and the dark, unseen forces of wickedness in heavenly places. In other words, we are waging warfare in the invisible realm against demonic powers, demons, and various rankings of uh, demonic powers. 
and and right now America, it's this is a fact. Anyone who attempts to contradict this is attempting to promote propaganda or promote a lie. The devil or Satan um, merges himself. The, the way this works, I don't want to get too much into this, but I want to give you like a like a uh, a virtual reality snapshot of of the nature of the battle, the spiritual battle in the invisible realm. What causes people's behavior to make them rebel against God? What causes people to not believe the truth of God's word? What causes people to uh, be deceived spiritually and to uh, follow Satan and Lucifer and the spirit of Antichrist and so on and so forth? The, the energizing factor which causes people to be swept off course with their entire lives, the energizing force that causes entire nations to be pulled into uh, a convulsion of lies and chaos and confusion like America is experienced now, all of that is rooted in this spiritual principle. When people, and especially the people of God, turn their backs on God's laws and word, when the people of God reject the word of God, that opens the door for the demons of various rankings to penetrate whatever defenses we have, invade our hearts, our minds, invade the hearts and minds of our children, invade the hearts and minds of all of our institutions, government, medicine, law, the judiciary, and so on and so forth. America then instead of being blessed by God due to the pilgrims and Puritans, America becomes uh, a habitation, a dwelling place, a home for millions of various rankings of demons. And the only way to defeat the massive invasion of demonic armies, demonic armies that, that have no problem, by the way, employing demonically energized strongholds that often consist of spiritual deception, lying and false ideologies, lying and false political systems, lying and false theologies that, that produce cults, and cults enslave and destroy. All of this is happening to America because of the root cause. The root cause is that in the hearts of the American people, beginning with the Christians and the churches and the seminaries, by the millions, they began to turn away from the truth of God's Word, with, they reject sound doctrine, embrace counterfeit revival, consort with demons versus walking in the genuine and biblically authentic power of the Holy Spirit. When we began to do that as a church and as a nation, at that moment in time, hear me please, we sowed to the wind seed, the seeds of deception. America, but most specifically the American church, the American Christian, Christian institutions which once were the vibrant salt and light of our nation, when we began to reject the truth in God's Word and the truth of salvation in Jesus Christ, when we began to reject the reality 
and knowledge of our total dependence on the God of the Bible, the Creator with a capital C. When we rejected God Almighty, the Supreme Being, and then actively embraced, actively fornicated with Mystery Babylon, and when we as Christians and Christian institutions began to fornicate with Mystery Babylon, we became one spiritually with Mystery Babylon, which created a vacuum in the spiritual dimension, which left the doors wide open in the spiritual dimension. And when we left the doors wide open in the spiritual dimension, uh, with a magnetic power and a magnetic force, the, the electromagnetic frequencies of which all of us and all of our physical reality is merely an expression of specific numerical electromagnetic frequencies. When we left those doors wide open, the demonic armies invaded the churches, the seminaries, the Christians, the influence of Christians, and that big stinking white elephant dominated the living rooms, dominated our government, dominated our institutions, dominated education, and you can go down the list. And now, the, the, another phase, when you study the Bible and you read what has happened in the past to God's people when they rejected God's word, you see the inevitable biblical formula that God is, is trying to teach his people, like right now in America. So it's time to wake up and smell the coffee and, and understand that God is giving us final warnings, final instructions, because he loves us and he has the supernatural power to deliver us and save us. So what always happens is as God's people worship idols, that simply means false gods. So transhumanism would, would be perhaps the latest and pseudo-greatest uh, idol. The idols of materialism, the idols of sexual immorality, the, the, the idols of worshiping wealth, money, power. And as Dr. Francis Schaeffer said, perhaps one of the most deceptive and insidious idols that Christians and the evangelical church worships, and, and it comes in in a stealth manner because of its subtlety. Remember, the devil is not stupid. Satan is not stupid. So when he attacks the people of God, when he attacks the church, when he attacks the individual Christian, the Bible reveals to us the composition of the strategies that the devil uses against God's people. And so we must examine this principle. First, the devil begins to deceive God's people. He begins to seduce God's people, to tempt God's people with lies spiritual warfare. And when the lies are sown in the hearts of God's people, as they were Adam and Eve, at a certain point, and with Adam and Eve it happened immediately, the moment they decided to reject the truth of God's word, the moment they disobeyed God's word, they activated the law of sin and death. And a curse of judgment was placed on the people of God and Adam and Eve. And so Adam and Eve were originally created and designed by God Almighty, the biblical God. They were designed with the intention by the Creator, capital C, 
of being the king and queen of planet Earth. In other words, they were given the power and the spiritual authority to rule and reign over planet Earth as the king and queen of planet Earth. That's an exalted position. But Adam and Eve disobeyed God. Eve listened to, to the serpent of old, Satan, and they rejected the word of God. They ate of the, the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, and this activated the death force, which, in, which infused itself in, in the community known as Eden and Paradise. And now we have that proverbial spiritual vacuum, that spiritual deception which inevitably produces that spiritual emptiness. And being that all of our physical, real-world reality, including our very selves or our very being, we live and exist and interact in this physical realm and physical world reality. But the way God has designed this world is that we are here in these bodies living on planet Earth. At one time, it, planet Earth was paradise. But after the fall of mankind, remember, you and I and everything in this physical reality is on a scientific level. We are all projections or expressions of specific electromagnetic frequencies. So when you see somebody, when you see something happening or whatever, when you have to, to perceive, you have to train your senses to perceive, you have to access the mind of Christ to perceive the reality and the fact that we are uh, expressions of a specific electromagnetic frequency with a, a unique numer a numerical number. But when the death force entered in, that frequency which produces life, which produces the reality of individual human beings and life, etc., etc., that all emanates from a specific numerical frequency, a specific electromagnetic frequency, which causes us to, to manifest our, our being and our personhood in God's world. But on a scientific level, we are the projection of a specific numerical electromagnetic frequency. And when the fall of man occurred, and when Adam and Eve rejected the word of God, this entire world, including Earth and the Garden of Eden and Adam and Eve, and all the other physical world reality stuff was radically, its, its specific numerical electromagnetic frequency was radically transformed from one of an ideal and heavenly electromagnetic frequency, but now it was degraded by the infusion of the death force. It was degraded into an electromagnetic frequency that produces a different expression, and that's the expression of the death force, or the manifestation of the death force, not only in the body, soul, and spirit of all men and women, but in planet Earth and Eden and so on and so forth. And so that's why we live in this world of a radical change. Now, in a moment, we'll be back, and I'm going to share with you one of the most powerful truths that I've 
the Lord has been teaching me as I've been taking time to study his word at a deeper level and seek the Lord uh, with all my heart in search of a deeper understanding so that I might uh, educate God's people, so that I might be equipped to communicate to God's people a higher level of godly biblical wisdom, and uh, and along with that higher level of biblical wisdom, uh, I'm asking the Lord to reveal to me how I can teach and communicate to God's people simply and succinctly about how God's people can access in the last days a higher level of supernatural energy and power in order to be victorious in this last day's battle. And so the Lord has been speaking to me, and the central truth that the Lord has been revealing to me revolves around the truth that Jesus Christ was communicating to his disciples when he told his disciples after he was resurrected from the dead, which is physically impossible, but we always have to remember it may be physically impossible, but nothing is impossible with God. And so Jesus Christ told his disciples that they needed to go to Jerusalem and tarry in Jerusalem in prayer and waiting on the Lord and seeking the Lord until God the Father sends upon his disciples. And that is not just the early church and the apostles. Anyone who picks up his cross to follow Jesus, anyone who accepts the disciplines of being in the supernatural body of Christ, is a, a, is a disciple. Because a disciple is simply a man or woman who chooses willfully to accept the disciplines, the higher level of disciplines that God places on on them. And so the reward for choosing to become a true disciple of Jesus Christ and seeking God and searching for God and praying to God, the reward, according to the Lord Jesus Christ, is that if the disciples and you and I, thousands of years later, will, will renew our seeking of the Lord with a vastly increased uh, passion and energy and motivation and commitment. And when we purpose in our hearts that we're not going to stop pursuing God and pursuing his truth until we get precisely what Jesus Christ promised us we would get if we would obey him and obey God the Father and tarry or pray in Jerusalem until the Father pours out from heaven this infinite spiritual power known as power from on high. So every true disciple of Jesus Christ is to seek God, tarry into in Jerusalem, until we receive power from on high, which is also known as the dunamis, which is translated, dunamis is translated as the dynamite explosive power of God, or the detonation of the explosive power of God, power from on high, or as Jesus said, tarry and pray in, in Jerusalem until the Father clothes you with power from on high. You see, the problem with the modern church and the problem with the church 
that that started to emerge approximately a hundred years uh, after the church was born on the day of Pentecost, and approximately a hundred or so more years uh, after Jesus ascended into heaven, after he resurrected from the dead, which is impossible, but it's possible with God. Um, when what what happened is the the ideas of cults the legalism of of christian slash uh roman cult spiritual theology and the worship of the roman gods and and roman cultic practices infected the, the the true church and polluted the true doctrine the true biblical doctrine of the true church of jesus christ and when that began to happen and the roman emperor Emperor Constantine, being a master politician, but not a man of God, he chose to implement what our politicians today would implement, and that is he chose to implement a pragmatic solution. And so pragmatism became the basis for making decisions. And all pragmatism is, is is it's elevating human logic human reason, human diplomatic skills. It's an elevation of the humanistic skills of men and women and humanistic governments, where where those ideas are elevated above the principles and the truth, the eternal truths of the Word of God. And so you end up with a a dilution. You end up with, with uh, a pollution of the integrity of God's word, and what that produces always, as you look through history, is what that produces is a a degradation of the spiritual power that flows from the true Church of Jesus Christ. What that produces in the church when it begins to pollute its doctrine and it it deserts sound doctrine. What that produces in the church, as you look throughout history, is that the same God that poured out the dunamis, or the power of the Holy Spirit, or power from on high, on the church and his disciples, the same God who poured out the supernatural power of God, the dunamis, the dynamite force of the power of the Holy Spirit, the miraculous, the detonation of the supernatural power of God that can work miracles and wins spiritual victories in spiritual battles in the invisible realm. So the end result of deserting the Word of God and embracing humanism or transhumanism instead is it produces a spiritually anemic, spiritually weak church. So in the time of trouble, and that, by the way, is another term for the literal seven-year tribulation period, which many people think that we're actually in. And so in this tribulation period, known as the, the, the time of trouble, uh, or the time of Jacob's trouble, uh, that time of trouble, a literal seven years, what, what gives permission, so to speak, in the invisible realm for the doors and fortification of God Almighty to be opened up and presenting before the church and Christians what be, what could be called as a clear and present spiritual military danger invades the church. Why? 
Because Satan, being shrewd, and Satan using the wiles or the strategies or the tricks of the devil, Satan mobilizes his demonic armies to invade. He raises up the Antichrist. He raises up the false prophet. He distributes the neural implant or the uh, microchip implant and, and creates the cashless society. And he, he, Satan energizes the global reset, formerly called the New World Order, which consists of a one-world government, a one-world religion, and a one-world economic system. But this satanic inv invasion, whose sole purpose is, is to raise up a satanically energized coup d'etat against the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and the, and the true purpose of the global reset, and the true purpose of, of, the, of the hidden doctrines of the United Nations, when you read them, which I haven't studied personally, I've read the secret doctrines, the secret occult teachings, and the secret doctrines upon which the United Nations is founded on. And what I discovered is that the United Nations and the globalist elite, or the Luciferian elite, that have been behind this global government since Mystery Babylon first emerged at the time of the Tower of Babel in ancient Babylon, and is going to reemerge during the global reset. This this reemergence of the global reset, and the the fact that Satan goes about and this is where when you know when God speaks, our job is to to pay quick attention. Our job is to, is to absorb, to master, to allow the Lord to ignite by the dunamis dynamite power of God, the spirit of truth. Our job is to, is to be open, vulnerable, and, and in, our inner man, in, in the depths of our inner man or woman, when we sense that the word of God or God is speaking to us through his word, we train ourselves. This is, you become a disciple of Jesus Christ when you submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Not playing church, not playing Christian. You submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And when you submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, he infuses you with the dunamis, or, or the dynamite power of the Holy Spirit. And that gives you the supernatural power from on high that you need to defeat Satan and the demonic armies, to be an overcomer in the last days, to be victorious no matter what the chronology and timetable of the last days is. The problem with the church in America, the root problem, you want to put your finger on it with precision, the root problem for the church in America and around the world. The root problem, the heart of the matter in the courts of heaven, what, what we have done before the Lord to actually handicap and block our prayers is this, and we need to own up to it specifically, and we need to specifically call it for what it is, rebellion, apostasy, rejecting the word of God, which always brings a curse. And then we need to repent before a holy God. That's right. You and I, and Christians all over America, to whom much has been given, much is required. You and I, 
are being summoned right now by God Almighty. You and I are being summoned by God Almighty right now at this exact nanosecond. The battle for the future of the world, the great battle for souls, and the battle for America, spiritually, is going to, is right now, at this very nanosecond, this great spiritual battle is either being won and we are being victorious, or at this precise nanosecond, at this very nanosecond, we are doing the alternative, which is being obstinate and rejecting the Word of God, which always um, lays out the red carpet of deception, and the following inevitably and always occurs when we violate the truth and principles of God's Word. When we, give, when we reject God's Word, we open the doors for spiritual deception, like apostasy, like the, the loss of sound doctrine, like embracing and worshiping idols, and uh, uh, practicing the practices of demons, and committing immorality, and, and siding with Satan and Lucifer and the demonic armies, and the Antichrist, and the false prophet, and listening to false prophets. So first, the church rejects, and Christians reject the Word of God. That makes them vulnerable and opens the door for them to be heavy-duty deceived by spiritual deception, which eventually produces apostasy, which refers to the great falling away of so-called Bible-believing Christians, the great falling away from the truth of Jesus in, prophetically, the last days. And that's happening in America and around the world. That is why so much of the church—I got a leaflet on the door of my house today. I mean, it's a constant barrage, and it was from some church. I'm sure they meant well, a new church. They're trying to build a new church. They've built a number of new churches in this area. You know? But their but 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 their model and, and foundation and directions and guidance and instruction for how to build these churches, unfortunately, um, are not built on the foundation and they're not built on the truth of God's eternal word. Word, they are lacking in sound doctrine, and the whole of the whole presentation is man-centered versus God-centered. The whole presentation is to tickle the ears of non-believers. The whole presentation is to kiss up to non-believers in the vain hope that non-believers will be converted if you surrender enough of the truth of God's Word. If you surrender enough of the truth of God's Word, if, if you make the mistake that Israel made throughout its history, and the fatal mistake that Israel has always made from its beginning to the present moment that has caused it to go into captivity time after time after time is that Israel and the Christian church on a regular basis make this mistake. They give up land for peace. God, through covenant, gives the land to God's people as an everlasting covenant, which simply means everlasting. But it's a false peace. It's always a false peace because the nations that surround Israel have said countless times that their ultimate and primary goal is to wipe Israel 
off the face of the map and to drive Israel into the sea. Or right now they have 20,000 missiles aimed at Israel. The goal of the enemies of Israel was expressed by what Adolf Hitler did in Nazi Germany, where the Holocaust occurred. You can't negotiate, you can't give away land for peace when you clearly know that the publicly stated goal, the publicly stated uh, ambition of your enemy is to annihilate you and destroy you and kill you and spill your blood by any means necessary. How on earth, using an ounce of common sense, could you enter into a covenant or a contract or an agreement with an enemy that has boasted of destroying you in the most brutal way possible? Well, you can't. You're a fool if you try to do that. And God warns his people. First, God warns Israel over and over again not to play games, not to give away the land that he gave them formerly known as the land of Canaan, now what the real name has always been uh, the nation of Israel. And so, in an effort to secure a false peace, in an effort to, to, to stupidly attempt to pacify the enemies of Israel, they give away the land that God himself gave them. And the end result of this egregious disobedience to the word of God is that this only infuriates the enemy, this only incites the lust of the enemy to, to mobilize and to attack Israel with the intention of wiping Israel off the face of the uh, earth, of driving Israel into the sea, and literally through the firing of multiple nuclear weapons with the cooperation of Iran and Syria and the, to the uttermost nation to the north, which would be Russia, the War of Gog and Magog, all of these nations, including Turkey and most likely parts of Germany and the European Union, the EU, at some point they are going to mobilize as they are deceived, and they're going to make a mad dash to invade Israel, lusting to take Israel over and destroy it and conquer it. Now, this is known as the Ezekiel 38 War, or it is also known as the War of Gog and Magog. When you read the attributes of the War of Gog and Magog, you see that it is not Israel's military superiority or America's military superiority or the EU's military superiority. There's no human government, no human military, that, including Israel's, that possesses the power to destroy the bloodthirsty enemies of the nation of Israel and to drive the enemies of Israel back into their nations and secure their own protection and safety. It's impossible. This is an invitation for a holocaust and a disaster. So when you read the passages like Ezekiel 38 and the, past, the, the chapters before and after it, you see that it is God himself, not Israel, not America, it is God himself who comes to the defense of Israel. No human army is defending Israel. It's not the United Nations that is defending Israel. Israel is being supernaturally defended by God himself. That's why you read passages where strange earthquakes happen as these foreign nations attempt to invade Israel. 
as these foreign nations attempt to invade Israel, hailstones the size of who knows what, baseballs, and some people say hailstones the size of cantaloupes or something, solid ice. They begin to fall by the millions from the heavens. And, and when a hailstone that weighs many pounds and it's frozen solid, when it falls from the sky, it's like dropping bombs from the sky. And this is all done by God, the biblical God, as he protects and defends Israel by sending a massive attack of gigantic and very heavyweight hailstones on all the soldiers, the jets, the armies that are invading Israel in the last days. So you have earthquakes, you have blood being spilled, you have the various nations actually being so deceived that they engage in warfare between one and another. And then you have hailstones coming down from the sky. What this all is, is a depiction of the fact that in the last days, when the war of Gog and Magog occurs, or the Ezekiel 38 war, when that occurs, you see clearly that it is God, the biblical God, the God of Israel. It is he himself, the God of Israel. It is he himself who defends and defeats the enemies of Israel. This is not done by any human army or human technology. It's a supernatural defense of God's people in the last days by the God of Israel, Abraham and Isaac, because God made a covenant with Abraham and, listen carefully, his physical descendants in the last days, that he would give them the physical land of Israel as an everlasting covenant, which simply means it's an everlasting agreement or an everlasting covenant between God Almighty, the God of Israel, and the physical descendants of Israel. It is not a covenant or a contract between God Almighty and the spiritual descendants of Israel, as some people erroneously teach. The physical descendants of Israel, they are usually identified as the Christian church in replacement theology. And in that delusion, um, it, it is the physical it is the spiritual descendants of Israel who, who are the Christian church in this perversion of sound doctrine. The spiritual descendants of Israel, which is the Christian church, they, they are given by covenant the land of Israel. But that when you, when you come up with that conclusion, you are misreading and misinterpreting the eternal covenant that God made with the nation of Israel, the physical genetic DNA descendants of Abraham in the last days. So that covenant is everlasting. That means no matter how wicked or depraved or disobedient Israel is in the last days, God promises not to undo the Abrahamic covenant because of the sin and wickedness of the nation of Israel. Why? Because there's a different principle that God is integrating in this covenant, and that's the fact that the covenant that God makes between himself and the physical descendants of Israel is an everlasting covenant. It goes on without end, and it goes right to the end of the tribulation period. The physical covenant of the covenant between Israel uh, 
and Abraham and the, the God of Israel is an everlasting covenant. And this covenant expresses itself in the courtroom of the supreme judge of the universe, the biblical God, and he decrees that by the law of God, this is an everlasting covenant, and the covenant continues on when, during the second coming of Jesus Christ, when the Messiah, Israel's Messiah, returns from heaven along with the armies of heaven. Jesus Christ returns from heaven on a white horse along with the armies of God. And Jesus Christ, the Messiah of Israel, descends on the valley of Megiddo, where the war of God, excuse me, a different war is occurring. The, the war or the battle of Armageddon, where all the nations of the world system, where all the nations of the world, where the Antichrist, the false prophet, the globalists, the Luciferian elites with all their technology and all their war machines, like Ozzy Osbourne sings in his song War Pigs, of which, by the way, I, you know, this is not something I'm referencing. I'm not referencing this in the manner of applause, but, but, but that shows you the intense feelings that these wars generate, even in non-political circles. Okay, so all of this is about to erupt. Signs of the times are occurring right now as we speak. They're trying to roll out a new man-made virus. I personally believe that the pandemic and associated technologies were uh, the creation, were, were military creations created in laboratories, and whatever they they built, however they genetically engineered these man-made diseases, it was built on weaponizing existing DNA and existing genetic codes. The signs of the times are happening everywhere, and God is a keeper of his covenant. God also promised Christians so many things. He promised them that he would send them power from on high in the last days if they would seek his face. Read Joel chapter 2, read Acts chapter 2, and you read an account, and this should be alive and active in the heart of every Christian and every church. Every Christian and every church should be walking in the promise of power from on high. Why? Because it's impossible to do what God wants us to do if we're trying to do it in our own uh, human power or human authority. What God has called us to do is impossible unless we are fueled by the supernatural power of God, which Jesus calls power from on high. So the call and summons of the Holy Spirit right now is for you and I to, to obey God, to tarry in Jerusalem, wherever that may be. It's, that means actual Jerusalem. In any place true Christians gather, we are to cry out to God. We are to pray to God with all our heart, soul, and mind, beginning now at this nanosecond, believing God to fulfill his last day's promise, which is to clothe us with power from on high, with the dunamis, which releases the detonation of God, the dynamite explosive power or force of God, and destroys the enemies of God, including the demonic armies. 
Now, instead of being fearful, because being fearful is simply a symptom of the withdrawal or the absence of the Holy Spirit. So when Christians try to live as Christians, when churches try to minister as churches, but they are not filled with the Holy Spirit, they're powerless. The whole secret weapon of spiritual warfare is the absolute necessity to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Without the power of the Holy Spirit, we can't do anything. I mean, this is so simple. It's a kindergartner should be able to comprehend this. And I believe that God right now in the heaven, along with a great cloud of witnesses in the throne room of God, where millions of people, right now at this nanosecond, as we're gathering together all over the world, right now at this precise nanosecond, the tide of the battle is being turned in the direction God desires. And you and I should be rejoicing over that fact, because that means that at this exact nanosecond, God is releasing and beginning to release power from on high upon his people and upon his church. There is an igniting of the supernatural power of God in heaven, and that power is being sent down upon individual Christians, ministries, and his church. And the Lord is telling you and the Lord is telling me that we are not to be afraid. We are to stand up and receive by faith power from on high. And we will see, right in front of our eyes, the greatest outpouring of an authentic biblical revival that the world has ever seen. The earth will shake and tremble before the day of the Lord occurs. And this is coming quickly, and we should be rejoicing. In Acts chapter 2, we see the apostles, the disciples, gathering in the upper room in one accord on the day of Pentecost. Okay? That's in Acts chapter 2. And then in, in verse 4, it says, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And you can, 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 and you can continue to read that passage. And then um, the power of God is poured out. And Peter stands up before the bewildered crowd of unbelievers. And he quotes the prophet Joel in Joel chapter 2. And, and starting in Acts 2, verse 17, it says, And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God. That's right now at this nanosecond. Right now at this nanosecond. That I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. That means everybody gets in on this. If you believe for Jesus as your Savior or Messiah and accept the blood of Jesus to cleanse you of all sin. God will not reject you from heaven. It's an open invitation because God is love. And that's what we need to be preaching, by the way. God did not call us to be the moral, legalistic policemen of planet Earth. Yes, we're supposed to walk in righteousness, but we're not supposed to be banging people over the head with the Bible. That's not ministry. That's stupidity. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Right now, these last several generations, including this generation right now has been under the greatest spiritual attack since the, the days of Adam and Eve. And yet, in the middle of this greatest spiritual attack upon the sons and daughters of God's people, that's you and me, God promises that our sons and our daughters shall prophesy. Allow it to happen. Let it be, Lord Jesus. 
and on my men servants and on my maid servants I will pour out my spirit in those days. God promises to pour out his Holy Spirit in the last days upon his people. Own it, receive it, walk in it. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. That will happen by the hundreds of millions of people. And should the Lord tarry, you and I will live to see it. And it is our job to seed it in the invisible realm. Let me say that again. It is our job to seed that in the invisible realm. Um, then we, as it continues on, um, he keeps preaching to, to the crowd. People are being healed. Miracles are happening. And notice that in these passages, the Lord tells us that the church that is emerging at that, at that time that Peter's talking about when they're pouring out the Holy Spirit. Now, now, let's get the context here. God says in this chapter that is dealing with Bible prophecy, neon sign, Bible prophecy, that there's going to be a mighty outpouring of the Holy Spirit on his people and his, children, and his people's children in the last days. How do we know that there's people go, there can't be a revival in the last days. I would like to slap you silly because that's the opposite of what the Bible says. We know that this mighty outpouring of the Holy Spirit is biblical and will happen in the last days because in Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 19, it says, I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire, vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood. That, those are all prophetic super signs. Wake up! And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. That's a fulfillment of Bible prophecy. And then in the following verse, in case some of you are addicted to fuzzy logic, it says that whoever calls in the name of the Lord shall be saved. A massive global soul harvest will occur after these miraculous signs happen. Yes, there is going to be a counterfeit revival. But just because there's a counterfeit revival doesn't mean there can not be a real revival. I am trying with everything in me to seed the truth of God's word in the hearts of God's people all across America and the world. I believe America will be rocked by the power of God. I am so tired of willy-nilly, you know, feminized Christian males tiptoeing through the tulips. I am a man on fire. I am burning with the fire of the Holy Spirit, and in case you think it's a momentary whim, that happened to me over 40 years ago when I was a radical atheist, a transhumanist, existentialist who hated God and who hated Christians. But God miraculously grabbed a hold of me, and he set me on fire with his power, and he renewed my mind. And when God set me on fire over 40 years ago, that's a biblical generation, I, my inner man, my spiritual man, has never stopped burning in the Holy Spirit in a tangible, logical, rational way. And I invite you to join me. I need finances to reach and mobilize and upgrade our equipment. I need your prayers. I need your intercessory prayers. I need your volunteerism. I ask you to come before the Lord and pray and ask God what he wants you to give financially, how he wants you to pray. And then I ask you as your brother in Christ, 
as God is summoning you now, and you know he's summoning you now because you can feel the heat, baby. You can feel the warmth of the Holy Spirit. You can hear in your inner man and inner woman the summoning of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He is summoning you to get off your posterior and stand and rise in the power of God, take back the land in the power of the Holy Spirit, and America can experience the greatest revival in its history, and it will spread throughout the earth. I don't apologize for saying that. No surrender, no retreat. This is Paul McGuire. Visit paulmcguire.us. Spread this message far and wide.